morning, Big Ten fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Big Ten Morning Minutes. I'm your host, Mike Chen. Follow me on Twitter at Mike F. Chen. Follow the show site over there as well at Big Ten MM. It is Monday, July 13th, 2020. And the weekend for the Big Ten was fairly quiet off of the news that the Big Ten was the first conference to go to a conference-only schedule for football this fall. The Pac-12 followed suit. And then, on top of that, the Pac-12 commissioner, Larry Scott, announced that he had contracted the COVID-19 virus. And although he isn't in a bad situation, he still contracted the virus, which once again compounds the fact that this is real. This is an issue. I'm concerned. I'm getting concerned. Now, college football had time but time is running out and that time running out is significant however with the decision to go to a conference only schedule for a few teams of course right now only two conferences i believe that the sec was meeting this weekend and they will release some thing today i assume that's my assumption i'm not 100 percent sure on that one but you can you know you, you probably say that they're going to do something the acc with notre dame hanging in the balance there they're going to have to do something the big 12 they've Apologies. they've i'm sorry that was my watch the uh, the big 12 they've talked about potentially adding in notre dame for a season so there's, there's a lot of wheels churning here in college football. Although it's not all in the Big Ten, there's still a lot going on, but it's still warranted to take a look at because it's significant. We're clearly losing a lot of marquee out-of-conference matchups. And that, I think, overall hurts the college football game. I, I get it. A, a regional schedule makes plenty of sense. It does. It hurts the smaller schools, the group of five schools. They rely a lot on those paydays from the power five schools. Many of them have million-dollar agreements to play those games, and that is a significant portion for their athletic budget. And that's unfortunate for those schools because they need that money. They're already most of those bu- most of those athletic budgets already operate in the red. So just knowing that it's a little sketchy for the G5 schools, but I guess, you know, if it's just a one-off and everything goes back to normal, we shall see. I have to expect that multiple schools are going to realize that they cannot continue running such large athletic departments and they're going to cut sports and that's a tough pill to swallow it really is but unfortunately due to the situation that is entirely possible stanford cut a bunch of sports last week stanford has won a lot of national championships in the Olympic sports. They are one of the best schools in the country at that. They 
pretty much win what's called the Champions Cup, which is uh, you know accumulation of all sports and tabulated. They pretty much they pretty much win that every year. And to find out that they're cutting a bunch of sports, I don't think they're going to win that much more often anymore. And it's sad because Stanford is looked at as kind of that that ring bearer for it, and it's unfortunate. But you know that that's the current state of collegiate football, collegiate athletics, everything. And you're seeing a lot of other schools, you know, come up with positive tests. This weekend, Indiana came out. Good news for them. Four positive tests out of 299 samples last week. That's a win. That's a very low percentage of positive tests. But on the other side of things, you're looking at Maryland. Nine positive tests out of the 185 given last week on the 7th and 8th early last week on Saturday. The Terrapins decided to shut things down, joining the Buckeyes in halting voluntary workouts for the moment. Imagine if this happens when fall camp is going on for football. Imagine there's an outbreak. And then what happens? I have no idea. I mean, you have to look at it this way. Football teams are massive. 85 scholarship, 105 total, and that's not including staff members, support staff, et cetera, et cetera, athletic trainers, whatever. It's a lot of people, a lot of people gathering in a small area. Typically, you know, they're all up on each other. This is very worrisome. Who knows what Ohio State's plans are? They haven't released anything. I did not see anything over the weekend that said that they were going to resume activities, voluntary workouts this week. We shall see. I expect to hear something back from them today, some point in time, an announcement. But schools across the country are doing that. They are shutting voluntary workouts down. Another school in the ACC in North Carolina, they did that last week as well, same day that Ohio State did. They actually ended up doing it before the Buckeyes. So this is very concerning. It's very concerning for the college football in the fall going forward. And you look at the Ivy League, maybe they, had it, maybe they have it right, going just conference and in the spring. Maybe they have it right. But who knows right now? What I'm seeing is bad. When you look at the numbers, Florida over the weekend had the highest day of cases reported so far. And we're starting to open things up and trying to resume normal life. 13,000 cases. Disney World's open. I wouldn't go. I'm not sure if you would either or if you should. It's definitely concerning. I mean, three major schools in Florida, you got Florida State, Florida, Miami. It's big. I mean, this is very concerning. I would love to see that everyone decided to, you know, let's let's quell this. Let's all do our part. But unfortunately, not everyone wants to do their part. 
and you look a, a, across, you know, the Bundesliga, they've already started playing and they're not having issues. There are other countries that are that that have really done a good job with this. Unfortunately, we haven't done the greatest job, and we're in this position where we're looking at you know the NBA potentially starting this month, baseball starting at the end of the month, hockey starting on the first of August. My question is, how long do these leagues play until there's an outbreak and they have to shut things down again? Because that's the way it's trending. Although baseball's actually had some really good numbers. Some good numbers. Their positivity test rate is very low. You know, Michael Kopech from the White Sox opted out. Buster Posey opted out. Buster Posey and David Price are probably the two biggest names. You could throw Ian Desmond in there as well. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, it's definitely concerning. It really is. But, you know, we hope that we can call things down and get sports back because we all miss it. We all do. Dying over here. Love sports. Sucks. It's been a rough, you know, three months, four months. We're on four months now since late March. It's been rough, boys and girls, but we're going to get through it. We'll figure it out, hopefully, hopefully soon. And, you know, start trending back to normalcy, hopefully. Iowa has announced that former defensive lineman Broderick Bins has been named their executive director of diversity, equality, and inclusion for the athletic department. Great. Good job, Gary Barta, athletic director for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Very, very smart move. Coming off of the heels of the... Firing of strength coach, football strength coach Chris Doyle. Iowa had to make a move. Iowa had to do something. And this is it. This is their something. And I love it. I actually remember Broderick Bins playing. I thought he was a very good player. Not not a phenomenal player, but a good player. And I think that creating a spot for a former player to come in and to watch this. And not only that, a former player, a former black American player to do that. I think it's huge. It's smart. It's a it's a progressive move. And I really like it. I think it's a great idea. So hats off to Iowa for for looking at this. And you know what's interesting about this? You know, all, all that Kirk Ferentz stuff has kind of blown out of the water since the conferences announced, the Big Ten has announced that they were going to interconference only schedule this year. I think we uh, we can't forget about what's going on over there at Iowa. This is a step forward with, you know, Bins coming in and leading that the, the diversity and equality inclusion. But th- there are other things that need to, you know, take place in order for them to really move forward and do some good things. One commitment this weekend, and that went to the Michigan Wolverines, went out to California and got wide receiver Xavier Worthy. Worthy is a very good player. At 6'1", 160 pounds, he had offers from a bunch of SEC powers, including Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, LSU. Also had a Penn State offer, a USC offer. Michigan is getting a good one here. 
And that is something that I have spoken about multiple times regarding the Michigan program, is that Jim Harbaugh does a fantastic job in going out and grabbing defensive linemen, defensive, pretty much defensive anything, linebackers, corners, safeties, D-linemen, D-tackles. I mean, Rashawn Gary was, you know, a couple years ago, was the number one player coming out, number one overall player. And the knack that, you know, the, the thing that I've always had issues with is their skill position players. And Worthy is a guy that was chased after nationally by multiple teams. And when the SEC goes out to California and they're offering a player, they, you know, that player's damn good. And that's what Worthy is. You know, a little bit, I'm a little bit concerned about that 160 pounds, but he's got plenty of time to, to put on a little bit of extra weight and to get ready for Big Ten football. But... Nevertheless, a great commitment for Michigan. I really like Worthy. I think he's going to be a very good player. He doesn't quite necessarily fit the mold of the Jim Harbaugh wide receiver, though. Harbaugh likes the tall, lanky wide receivers. He's not necessarily concerned about much about speed because, I mean, you know, speed is a, is a factor. You know, these guys aren't slow. I'm not saying they're slow. I'm just saying, you know, he likes the measurables. He likes the 6'4", 6'5", type of wide receiver, 6'3", type of wide receiver that might not run that 4'3", 4'4", 4'40". He might run a 4'5", 4'6". That's not slow. It's not a burner, though. But Worthy, Worthy is the type of guy that can just... He's a speed guy. He is definitely a speed guy. So uh, I think that you know Michigan needs to be better on the recruiting trail at recruiting athletes like Worthy. I think this is a big-time get for them, a, a, a very good get for them. I, I like it. really do. Uh, let's update the recruiting rankings for the football side of things. The Buckeyes are still leading the country and the conference. 18 commits. They have the number one overall class in the country. You've got Michigan with that Worthy commitment. They are eighth overall in the country, second in the Big Ten, of course, at 20 commits. You've got the Badgers at 14th overall. They've got 15 commits. Iowa at 17th overall with 17 commits. Maryland right behind them at 18th with 16 commits. The Golden Gophers are still in the top 25. They have 15 commits at 20th overall. The Rutgers Scarlet Knights, Greg Schiano, nice little resurgence here. He is getting <clears throat> a lot of good players to commit to the Scarlet Knights. 21 players at the current moment, 24th overall in the country. Penn State is two slots behind them, 12 commitments at 26 overall. I've been saying this for weeks. James Franklin and the Nittany Lions, they're going to make a move. And they're going to make a big-time move. And you're going to see the Nittany Lions just skyrocket in these rankings at one point in time. They're going to end up in the top 10. I guarantee you that's going to be the case. The Northwestern Wildcats at 36 overall with 14 commits. You got Nebraska at 41st with 12 commits. And then you're going to have to go a little bit lower to find a couple of the other Big Ten schools. 
the Fighting Illini. They have made a move and a positive move. I think Lovey Smith really has done a much better job in the recruiting trail recently. They have 13 total commits. They are 54th overall in the country. Mel Tucker's lost a little bit of that new coach shine. 12 commits at 58th overall. Uh, they need to pick it up once again on the recruiting trail. The Indiana Hoosiers are 61st overall with 10 commits. Uh, Tom Allen coming off of back-to-back great classes for Indiana standards. Going a little bit slow in this one. Uh, they, they need to pick it up. They, they need to pick it up. Uh, I think they will, but you know they, they've, they've clearly struggled. And then the Purdue Boilermakers, 67th overall in the country with nine commits and they are the final school for the big 10 so you know not not terrible uh not sec style um although you know, the sec does have vanderbilt and they're 76 overall but you know when you kind of look at it there, there's most of the sec schools are within the top 40 so uh, ideally that's where you'd like to see the Big Ten, but, you know, there's there's a couple schools that are just a little bit below that, and uh, I guess, you know, it, it is what it is. CBS Sports has put uh, Dennis Dodd, their writer, has put Scott Frost in the hot seat. I'm not surprised on this one. Frost's first two seasons at Nebraska are very underwhelming. He needs a big third season here. He really does, and I've been saying that for a while. I bought into Nebraska last year. I thought the schedule looked pretty good for them. The fact that Adrian Martinez was... A returning quarterback, a year under his belt. Usually that uh, second year is pretty, uh, you know, fruitful for a lot of coaches. Well, it didn't turn out quite the way that Scott Frost would have liked. And so, understandable for Dennis Dodd to put him on the hot seat. One note on the basketball side of things this weekend, as the University of Michigan announced that they will add Ball State to their out-of-conference schedule, their 2021 schedule. At the current moment, College basketball is expected to go on. It's expected to go on as normal. Now I could see a move at some point in time to potentially going the college football route as well with the conference-only schedule, but at the current moment, the plan is to do a regular season, a full regular season. Now th this could clearly change going forward, and... If I'm looking at it, if we're still having issues with the coronavirus, you know, come October when, right around when college basketball's about to start, October, November, potentially going to a conference-only schedule makes a ton of sense. And the reason being is because you can space out those games a little bit longer. In college basketball, typically they play, you know, two games, sometimes three, sometimes one game a week. Well, they can get away with it. If they're going to a conference-only schedule, conferences would have to beef up their schedule a little bit, you know, play closer to 30 games. But I think it's doable. I think that is doable. Smaller groups of teams, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of factors that, that make basketball a little bit more uh, able to play. Now, you look at, uh, obviously, the TBT, the big tournament. Uh, that's going on right now. And, you know, those those players have been tested. Uh, you know, a couple teams were forced out of the tournament due to COVID, you know, uh, positive tests. But you know, they were able to get their tournament through and, and, and play the last week or so. 
So there's a possibility because of the smaller rosters in basketball. I think that it's, it's potential, but who knows? We will see. It, it still remains to be seen. And that's going to do it for me this morning on your Big Ten Morning Minutes. I appreciate the listen. Go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter at MikeFChen. Follow the show site over there as well at Big Ten MM. Rate us, review us, and share us on all of your listening platforms. Have a great Monday, Big Ten fans. I will talk to you tomorrow morning.